Let's go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 9. Let's go ahead and pause again and pray. Father, truly, that's the best news. Christ died for us and rose again. You can have eternal life, your righteousness, forgiveness of sins. Help each of us to understand that gospel, to be trusting in that alone. Jesus, who died for us and rose again, and teach us to follow him. Thank you for the example, the testimony of Grace and Isaac, willing and desirous to follow you in baptism. I pray that you would help us to think about how we are, where we are at in our own lives, and following Christ and what we might need to do as well. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. When I worked in high school, at, I worked in high school at a marina, and it was pretty much a dream job. I'm sure there's some hard, nasty parts about it, but got to be on the water, got to be able to play in the sun and uh, drive boats that you didn't have to pay for. Uh, so it was a very fun job, and the owners were very nice, kind, good to work for, so I really appreciated that. I had a grandson be called John John. He was probably about eight, nine, somewhere in there at the time. And when I started at 14, he would follow me everywhere. And uh, I don't know, remember really asking him. He just kind of took a liking to me or something. I'd be working on a project. He'd come along and watch or help out in some way. We'd go to warm up a boat. He'd throw in a life jacket. We'd take a loop around the lake a little bit and bring it up to the dock. He followed me Wherever I went, he was a follower. We could look at it from the Bible's perspective and say he was a disciple. He was someone who was following me and someone who was learning of me, probably hopefully good things. I'm sure there's some ways of mannerisms and things that I did that he picked up or copied, very impressionable at that age. And so he, he was a learner, he was a follower, really a disciple. I want to look at this today from Luke chapter 9, beginning in verse 57. And Jesus, some people come up to him, and some people he calls. He says, you, come follow me. He interacts with a number of people, and he helps them to see what it looks like, not just to be a follower of Jesus, but a disciple of Jesus. Uh, Many people followed Jesus, and then sometimes he said things that they didn't like, and they left him. Uh, Jesus had 12 followers called disciples. They were with him. Judas betrayed him. The others, he taught them about himself. They came to believe that he was the Son of God, the promised Messiah. And they followed him, and they learned of him. And that is uh, what Jesus wants them to understand. You don't just say, okay, I want to follow Jesus for a little bit, uh, for a little while, if you want to be serious about following, he says, if you want to be a follower, this is what it looks like not to be a follower, to be a disciple of Jesus. And he's going to challenge these people that he interacts with here, and it helps us to understand as well what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus. So first of all, a disciple of Jesus, as we talk about a disciple of Jesus, what does it look like to be a disciple of Jesus? 
First of all, a disciple of Jesus means that life will not be easy and comfortable. Life will not be easy and comfortable. <clears throat> Jesus is going down the road and someone comes up to him saying, Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go. And in that day, a, a follower, a disciple would actually follow their master wherever they went. That's what the 12 disciples did. They were with him. And so it sounds great. But Jesus warns this man of the cost of following Jesus. He says there that foxes have holes. They have their dens. And birds of the air, they have their nests. But the Son of Man is referenced from the Old Testament that he is the promised one, the Messiah. The Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He didn't have a home. He stayed with others. He stayed outside. He had no permanent resting place. Most of us will say, after we've been gone, either just a day or a trip, it's nice to be home. We appreciate that. It's good to be gone. It's good to be home. Jesus didn't have a home. And he challenges this man that if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to give up your comforts, your desires. You're going to have to give up your normal. It's not saying that you, don't, you can't have a home. That's not his point at all. But rather, you have an eternal home. As a true believer, you have an eternal home in heaven, and you have a different perspective on life. You realize that this life is not all that there is. You don't live for the here and now, for the things of this life. You're willing to sacrifice and serve in the footsteps of Jesus because you have an eternal home with God in heaven. This is what Jesus is calling his follower to grasp, to understand that there's a cost to following Jesus. You can't just think of life as how you want it to be, adding Jesus to your life. There's a true cost in following Jesus. Life will not be comfortable and easy in the footsteps of Jesus. Secondly, Jesus helps them understand what a true disciple is. A true disciple of Jesus means that Jesus must have first place in your lives. Jesus must have first place in your lives. At this point, verse 59, he said to another, <clears throat> so he's initiating this. He says, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. At this point, I might say, wow, Jesus is harsh. He can't even go and bury his own father. But I think it's important to grasp the fact that this man was in a public place indicates that his father wasn't dead. He wasn't attending to his father's death already. So he's basically putting off an excuse and saying, well, let me take care of a few things at home first. Uh, when my father dies, then I'll follow you. Uh, who knows how long that might be. And Jesus responds and says, let the dead bury their own dead. He's not getting into morbid things here. He's saying that the spiritually dead bury the physically dead. Those who have no concern about following Jesus, let them take care of those things. Uh, so Jesus is saying, you come and follow me. And if you follow me, then you're going to obey me. But you go and preach the kingdom of God. You have a message to proclaim. Faith leads to following. Faith leads to obedience to Jesus Christ. This is what a true disciple is, is one who obeys Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ must have first place. He's not saying you abandon your family and don't care for them in any way. Scripture elsewhere teaches us the importance of that. But he teaches that Jesus Christ must have first place. 
We must listen to what he says first and foremost. As we take care of our family, Christ needs first and true allegiance. And so here he's communicating to this man there is a urgency about following Jesus. Don't put it off. I would follow you, Jesus, but I need to take care of this first. That's not putting Jesus first. That's a casual follower, not a true disciple of Jesus Christ. A true disciple is one who says, okay, whatever you want of me, I will do. You are first. I am going to put you first. I'm not going to worry about all the things that I need to take care of first. I don't need to. You are first. I'm going to believe in you and follow you, and I'm going to obey you. You have first place in my life. There's a sense of urgency in following Jesus. I'm going to think more about this there, but have you been putting something in the blank? I need to take care of this first. I need to get to this stage in life. I want this to happen in my life first before I follow Jesus. Or are there steps of obedience that you need to take? We'll talk a little bit more about this in a moment, but one of those would be baptism. Baptism is an important step of obedience. If you are a believer and not been baptized after your faith, that's a step that God wants you to take to show that you're willing to follow Jesus Christ with your life. There's an urgency about following Jesus. There's a cost in following Jesus. And now he interacts with another individual, verse 61. <clears throat> And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid farewell to them who are at my house. This man is saying, I want to go, I'll follow you, but I need to do something first. And, and remember the context, even what Jesus had just said, who deserves first place in their lives? Jesus. Let me, I wouldn't need to go, but... Whenever we do that, we're putting objections in the way. We're putting something else ahead of truly following Jesus. And so he says, uh, I, wanna, I need to take care of this first. And Jesus, in, his, in the surface, it seems pretty harsh. He can't even say goodbye to his family. But really he, what he's doing, he's, he's calling him to putting Christ first in, in his life for all of life. He says, no one having put his hand to the plow, look back and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. You can't look back if you're going to follow Jesus Christ. You need to look ahead. You need to look to him. If he is first, then you need to obey him and follow him. And you don't make excuses about why you can't do it now. Oh, I'll follow you, but I need to do this first. No, that's putting self in the driver's seat instead of the Lord Jesus Christ. Before I worked at the marina, I was probably about 11, 12, 13 in there, and go up to my uncle's farm in Canada for a couple weeks in the summer. We usually try to do it when they're doing hay and helped out with the haying. I really enjoyed that. And one time, my cousin and I were mowing a field, and the big tractor and the big mower behind it. And uh, after the fact, my uncle said, yeah, I can tell where you mowed the field. <laughs> There's grass left all in between, and a big part of it, I was spending too much time looking back and not enough time looking forward where the tractor should be going. The mower will take care of itself if I look ahead and be prepared for what's there. 
That's what Jesus calls us to. He says, look at, don't look back at what you're leaving, what he calls you from. Look forward to who he, what he calls you to. Look forward to Jesus Christ. He is the reward, and in him, eternity. That is what we have to look forward to. You can't look back and wonder what life might be apart from Christ or what you might be missing or the sin that he's calling you from. It needs to be looking to Jesus, having him first place in that path of obedience that leads to following and obeying him. And there is joys that he gives to those who serve him and live for him, to those who are his children, eternal joys. And so following Christ is worth it. This is what he's impressing upon them. Yes, there's a cost. Yes, there's urgency, but it's worth it. It's the decision that you'll never regret. To turn to the Lord, trust in Christ alone by faith, and to follow him. And to not be a casual follower, but a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 28, Jesus is giving this instruction to his disciples as well. One of the last things he says before he goes up into heaven. And he speaks about disciple again. In Matthew chapter 28, beginning verse 18, and Jesus said to them, all authority came and spoke to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I command you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He told his disciples, go make more disciples. This is my commissioning to you, and you are to go to all the world to make these disciples, teaching them about Jesus so they believe in him and they follow him. And notice what they were to do with these disciples. They were to baptize these disciples. Jesus gave this command. This is part of what a true disciple of Jesus Christ does is that they follow Jesus Christ in baptism. They show publicly their inner faith with an outer symbol of baptism, of going down under the water and up out of the water, picturing their identification with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And a mark of a a true disciple of Jesus Christ who is one who has been baptized after their faith in Christ. Baptism before doesn't mean anything. There's no significance for it. Baptism needs to be after one's faith to show the reality of their faith. And they're doing so. They're, they're They're declaring, I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. He is my Lord and Savior, and I trust in him, and I want to follow him with my life. Yes, baptism doesn't save. That's not what Scripture teaches. But it's an important step of obedience to Jesus Christ. So much so that on the day of Pentecost, all those who heard the word and received it, they were saved and they were baptized, some 3,000 people. And those in Samaria who heard the gospel in Acts 8, they were baptized after their faith in Christ. The Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8, Paul, after he was converted in Acts chapter 9, was baptized Cornelius and his household in Acts chapter 10 was baptized. Lydia in Acts chapter 16 and the jailer in Acts chapter 16, after they trusted in Christ, they were baptized. And those believers in the city of Corinth were baptized. The believers in Ephesus were baptized as well. Baptism is the mark of a believer in Jesus Christ. Not that it saves, 
but it's one that, by which one declares, I am a disciple of Christ. I'm willing to obey him. I'm willing to follow him no matter what it is. As we hear and, and witness this in just a moment, Isaac, you can go ahead and get, back, get ready there. Uh, I hope it's an encouragement to you to see, first of all, of God's grace in their lives. We all start out in life sinners. We need a Savior. And they've shared with you of how they came to trust in Jesus Christ alone as their Savior. Not only have they trusted in Christ, but they want to follow me. I put them off for a little while. But they kept asking me, I want to be baptized. I want to be baptized. And so wanting to encourage them in that act of obedience. I hope you're encouraged in seeing what God is doing. I hope you're challenged to think about your own baptism. To think back at that time when you declared publicly that I am a Christian. I have trusted in Christ as my Savior. And I, I, de I determined to follow him with my life. And that is a lifelong commitment that he encourages and helps us with. But it is something that he wants us to do all of life. We don't just try out Jesus for a little while and then go on with our lives. But rather, he deserves and, and calls for our true faith, our true following, our true surrender to him. And so to be encouraged is to think back upon your own life and your own story. Or perhaps you might be challenged today to think, you know what? I need to be baptized. I need to obey Jesus, to go beyond just a follower the true disciple of Jesus Christ, to publicly share my faith in Jesus, to be baptized by immersion after my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ.